Welcome to the Emmanuel Church Podcast, where we believe God is with us and speaks to us wherever we're at, whether at work, home, or on the move. We'd love for you to be connected with us by visiting us at myemmanuelchurch.com or any social media platform using at myemmanuelchurch. Thanks for being with us, and we hope you enjoy this message. Thank you for joining us here today. Thank you, worship team. Awesome job, as always. You can take a seat. If you are here with us this morning in person, welcome to those who are watching online. We are so glad that you could be with us here today as well. Um, We are uh, in the second part of the mini-series that I started last week called Make Space. And um, so I hope that this message will be a blessing to you today, as that I've already preached this once in our Spanish service this morning. So, and I did that without a translator. So, <laughs> that that was a that was a fun time. <laughs> my Spanish is not great, but I did my best. But I hope that if you are here today and you missed out on last week, last week I talked about making space for Jesus making space for Jesus in our lives, because we often do things that will push Jesus out of our lives, whether through our actions, our our attitudes, our perspectives, the way we view things, the way we see things and understand things around us can push Jesus out of our lives. And even though we might say we are a follower of Jesus, even though we might say we are a Christian, we oftentimes don't even make room for him in our lives. And that's what this little mini-series is about. It's touching on the heart of what God wants, what, what God asks of us, what He desires for us, and what this church is about as we are talking about celebrating. We're celebrating our three-year anniversary that was at the beginning of this month. And that's why I, I've wanted to speak on this topic, making space, making space. You know, and it just reminds me a little bit of uh, different things. But one in particular, when I think about making space, I think about um, going on a trip. And, you know, I was a youth pa- the youth pastor for a while. And one of the things that is the most difficult is packing everyone's stuff up in a van or a vehicle or something, trying to figure out where everything goes. You got to play Tetris, basically. And you have to make sure that you have room for it. And so you move things out, you take things out, you put things in, and you try to fill it up until, you know, the driver can't even see anymore. And that's not good or safe. You know, and that's not the way we should be doing things, but we do. We, we pack our schedules, we pack our lives, we pack even the, the calendar of church, of church events and church things. And even now, like we've been going through this pandemic where we've had to move a lot of things online, yet I have continued to see that there is still in a lot of places a lot, the same amount of events. And we just push all this stuff onto us. And, and it makes me question and it makes me wonder, are we really making room that we need for Jesus? Or are we just adding things on? And in that vein of thought, are we making space for Jesus? Is all that we're doing actually making space for people? Or are we just creating obstacles? Are we just creating obstacles? I think oftentimes we make Jesus inaccessible to other people through our actions and through our, our, our mentality, uh, the way we think. 
And we don't even realize that it's something that we're doing. We think it's normal. We think that it's just part of life or part of the Christian faith to put all of this stuff out there for people, for ourselves. And we don't realize the way we think and the way we do things are often pushing people away from Jesus. And this is really at the heart of what I believe and one of the reasons why we started this church is to make space to make Jesus accessible to people. So we have to understand what it looks like to do that. And to do that first, we need to understand what is it that we are doing? What, what mentalities, what ways of thinking, what actions are we taking that are closing the door on Jesus for other people? What are we doing that is sending the message that they are not wanted here? What, what are we doing through, through the way we live that says, this place is for them? Because, I mean, that we say it all the time, you know? Everybody's welcome. You're all welcome here. Jesus loves you. But do we really believe that? Are we putting it into action? Are we creating obstacles? We create obstacles for other people, and it starts first and foremost in the way we think. We create, we have our toxic thoughts create toxic actions. One of those toxic thoughts is my faith is personal. My faith is private. No one needs to know. And I said, said it a little bit last week how, you know, people will ask us, what did you do this weekend? Oh, nothing. Don't even mention church. Don't even mention things. Or if you do, you just kind of, oh, you know, it was a thing. Don't kind of give details. Don't really talk about it. You could have gone through a life-changing experience. The preaching changed your life. The worship changed. Something changed your life. And you're like, nothing. Faith is private. Faith is personal. And although this carries some truth to it, that our faith is personal, that we have a personal relationship with Jesus, if we allow it to, this thought creates obstacles to other people because then we don't share our faith. Then we don't tell people about what God is doing in our lives. Yes, maybe they don't believe, but that doesn't mean that they won't listen. Sometimes maybe we think, oh, well, they don't want to hear about it. They don't want to listen to me. But that's not what we're called to do. We're not called to keep our faith private or personal. You know, but you'll hear a lot of high-profile people say things like that. Well, everybody's faith is private. It's their own thing. But when we do that, it creates this toxic mentality that our faith is personal. And what happens? Then it leads to bias and prejudice and, and at some levels to hate. Hating other people because then we start to think of ourselves, well, I know better. I can't believe those people or those people. We start thinking about other people as those people. But that is not what God has called us to do. That is not what it's called to do. We oftentimes do this, and so we create this space that's a club mentality, that the church is for Christians, that the church, this building, this space, this place that we're in is for believers only. And we become gatekeepers. But that is not what Jesus wants us to do. In Matthew chapter 21, verses 12 to 14, we see Jesus do something that... 
creates space for other people. And if you have it with you, you can read it along with me on the screens. If not, you can read it with your Bibles. And it says like this, Jesus entered the temple courts and drove out all those who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers, changers and the benches of those selling doves. It is written, he said to them, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. The blind and the lame came to him at the temple and he healed them. I love the way, however, that the message puts this last part. Verse 14. Verse 14, it says, The blind and the lame then came to the temple and he healed them. But in the message version, it says, Now there was room. Now there was room For the blind and the crippled to get in, they came to Jesus and he healed them. And he healed them. See, Jesus was all about creating space for people. Yet at times, those of us who might call call ourselves his followers, call ourselves Christians, often are creating obstacles for other people. Through our mentalities and through our, through our, through our toxic mentality and through our toxic perspective and actions, we create a space that is only for certain people. You have to look a certain way. Gotta talk a certain way. You have to believe a certain thing. Yeah. Otherwise, you know, you're just not a Christian. I see that a lot on social media today. People pointing fixers. Well, if you don't believe that, then you're just not a Christian. You're not a real Christian. You, you just you just don't know. And vice versa, people going back and forth on every end of the spectrum, t- pointing at each other and telling you don't belong. You don't belong. And so these kind of things create this obstacle. We create an obstacle that 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 is you have to fill the checklist before you can be here. And so we create this obstacle. We stack things in people's ways. Well, you know, to be here first, you know, you should accept Jesus. But but not just Jesus. After that, you you need to get baptized. Good good things, good things. Oh, but and then after that, you need to go. You become a member of the church. Oh, but before you know, we can actually do anything for you. You have to give. Oh, and before that, you need to sign up for this class and this class, and you need to be at every service or else, you know, God's not going to bless you. God's not going to, you're not going to really love, you can't really love God if you're not at every single service. You watch every service online if you can't be here in person. If you, it, it, that's just it. So we create a, a checklist that people have to fulfill. That they have to do this to be able to belong. They have to believe a certain way. And this creates obstacles of shame, of guilt. People don't want to come to the church because they feel like, well, I'm just, I'm, I'm not worthy. I, I, I can't fit in. I, I, I don't believe, I don't look like them. I've had conversations with people before that have told me, you know, I can't go to church right now because my life, it's just not right. And that is a result of this toxic way of living, of this toxic way of living out our faith. That we put this 
limitations on who and who cannot be in here or who and who cannot follow Jesus. And because of that, people are left on the outside wanting to know Jesus, but they just can't get past the obstacles. They can't get past the obstacles. And maybe, and because of that, really, the church needs to change. We need to change. We need to realize the issue and the the problem that we're facing and do something about it. And maybe you might say, well, yeah, pastor, that's not me. I'm not like that. I'm nice. I love people. I do my I do my best, you know. I don't create obstacles for people. Okay, maybe you don't. Maybe you don't. But when we think that way, we don't realize that we're still part of the problem. Because even if you are not the one creating obstacles, what do you do when you see someone creating an obstacle? Do you say anything? Do you do anything? Or is it just okay? The truth is when we say that's not us and then do nothing about anything else that's around us, then we are part of the system that is pushing people away from Jesus. We allow abuse. We allow problems. We allow sin. We allow it, all, of these, all of these things to become walls to those who need Jesus. And so we become part of the problem. See, when we look at the Bible both in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, we see that this is an issue of, uh, on, a, on a communal scale. It's not just a personal scale. You can't just say just because I'm good enough and I'm doing the right thing that that's enough. Because when the prophets would call out the people of Israel, they wouldn't call out one or two people. They would. They would call out the leaders. And then they'd call out the leaders and they say the people... Of Israel have sinned. And in order to right this wrong, the whole nation needs to turn around. So they said, this is not just a personal issue. Because it doesn't matter if you're the only one that's doing something right. The prophet Elijah, I was just reading about him in my um, morning Bible time today. He came and he called out to God for the people to return to him. And he says, all of Israel must turn to God. All of Israel needs to repent. And for him, that must have included himself. He knew that even though he was the one that was speaking the words, he says, I need to take responsibility of this, so that's why I'm saying something. We need to turn this around. We need to come back to God. And this is in the New Testament too. One of the things we don't realize a lot of times about the New Testament is a lot of the letters were written. It were written by the apostles. They were written by Paul. Paul wrote like two-thirds of the New Testament. Then Peter wrote, some, wrote a couple letters. John, James, Jesus' half-brother. Um, some of y'all, maybe, maybe you don't know that. Jesus' half-brother wrote a book. There's, there's different books and there's different letters, and they're all written to churches. And in these letters, they often address sin and issues. But something that we don't really realize about it is that that they are not talking about the world. They're not talking about the sin, the problem of sin outside of the world, in the world. For those that don't believe Jesus, they're not concerned with that. The letters are dealing with issues and sin inside the church. 
And they're writing the letters to the people to tell them something needs to change. The church needs to turn around. The church needs to do something different. And so it goes so far as to say one one time the Apostle Paul even wrote, Man, y'all are doing something that even the pagans think is horrible. Even the ones that don't know Jesus, that don't believe in God, they, they, they follow idols, and they, they, some of them are terrible people, but they, even they look at you and they, man, I wouldn't do that. They even looked at them and said, that ain't right. And Paul even said this. He says, what, what business is it of mine to judge those that are outside the church? My business is to judge those that are inside. Because they're the ones that know the truth. They're the ones that need to know that what they're doing is wrong. That they're creating obstacles. That people look at them from the outside and they see what is happening. And because of that, the witness is tainted. Why do you think so many people today have an issue with the church? Because they see the abuse. They see the problems. They see the things that the money laundering, the, the stealing, the, the, they see the things that are happening and then they see people covering it up and then they see other Christians just defending it or being silent. And what does that do? That, that create, that tarnishes the witness of the church. It, it doesn't make space for people. In fact, it says, you know what? Everything's fine here. And if you choose to criticize it, you're not allowed in. You're not welcome here. But God calls us to repent. He calls us to change our ways. He gives us the opportunity to say, come back to the way you were at the beginning. Change. Make space. Make space. So how do we do that? How, how do we turn things around? First, we stop being gatekeepers. I don't know if you know what a gatekeeper is, but a lot of people are in the gatekeeping business nowadays, and it's not just about the church. It's about a lot of different things. I've seen things on Twitter and TikTok and other social media saying, it's like, well, you can't be a fan of Marvel if you don't know Insert thing here. Insert obscure Marvel reference here that nobody has ever heard of in their entire lives. You're not a real fan if you don't know this song from this artist. You're not a real fan uh, or, or this or that. They're gatekeepers. They put up barriers for other people to enjoy things. And they think they're being like purists. They're like, well, you know, to really enjoy this, you have to know this, this, and that. And they don't allow people to just enjoy life and be happy about life. It's like, well, you know, they point out problems with Batman or point out problems with superheroes and other things like that. And let, just let us enjoy. I know one of the things that I've I seen recently that like started making me think, it's like, you know, Batman. I, I like Batman. He's my favorite DC character. Um. I prefer Marvel over DC, but Batman is my favorite DC character. And someone pointed out, it's like, you know, Batman, as Bruce Wayne, could probably do more for Gotham. As Bruce Wayne, the billionaire, he could do more for Gotham if he stopped fighting crime and started investing all his money into fixing the city. And I was like, can you just let us enjoy him beating people up? <laughs> beating up the Joker, having this confrontation. Can't you just let us enjoy that? But now people point things like that and they become gatekeepers. 
And so we do the same thing oftentimes as Christians. Well, you cannot be a Christian if you don't agree with me. Or if you don't believe the same things that I do. I, I, can't, I can't see that you're a real follower of Jesus because it just doesn't make sense. And yet sometimes the people that we're gatekeeping are the ones that are showing more love and more Christ-like behavior than maybe we are. And we're pushing them out. We push them out. Thomas Merton, an American monk, said it best. He said, our job is to love others without stopping to inquire whether or not they are worthy. What we are asked to do is love. And this love itself will render both ourselves and our neighbors worthy. We are not supposed to determine who is worthy of God's love or not. Because God has already determined that himself. He said, all people are worthy of my love. That is why in John 3.16 it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his son. Not God so loved the church. Not God so loved uh, uh, one specific group of people. Not God so loved uh, the people that believe this certain theological thought. Not God so loved a, just any insert qualification here. God so loved the world. That anyone is worthy and deserving of God's love because that is who he is. We do not determine who is worthy of God's love. We do not determine who is worthy of God's love. Second thing we need to do, we need to stop fighting people. <laughs> On social media, we t- too many people fighting things. Too many people, well, I, I didn't vote for them. I didn't do this. I didn't do that. I don't agree with you. Why are we always looking for a fight? <laughs> I've seen some Christians online that are more interested in proving themselves right than they are concerned with actually telling people about what Jesus did. And I have never seen someone come to Jesus because you're arguing on Facebook. (laughs) I've never seen at the end of an argument where someone is yelling at something because they don't believe the same thing as that. You know what? You're right. I should come to Jesus. (laughs) No, that doesn't happen. Because that doesn't express love. In fact, all that does is push people away. It creates a barrier. We don't have to be right about everything. We don't have to be certain about everything. It is not a sin to have doubt. It is not a sin to be uncertain. Because even in our uncertainty, Jesus takes us as we are and says, Here, walk with me and I will make sure that you know what you need to. You will not get to heaven one day and Jesus went, sorry, you can't come in because you believe that creation wasn't exactly seven days. Bye. Sorry, you are not allowed into heaven because, well, you know, you just didn't have the right view uh, of the end times. You you got it wrong. You got it wrong. So you're not allowed in. That's not what matters is if we have made space for Jesus in our lives and said, here, I will follow Jesus. And so it matters that we do the same to others. And we can make space if we are stopped, if we stop being gatekeepers, if we stop looking for fights. Number three, if we make ourselves available to serve, not to serve. Yeah, and I know, I know people might say, I was like, oh, he's talking about serving again. Oh, they need volunteers. Yes, we do. It's okay. But not to serve because I'm asking. 
Not to serve because someone told you to. Or worse yet, not to serve just because you think it's going to make you a better Christian or make you more holy. Or make people think you're more holy. Because all that does is puff up your ego. And and create another barrier to tell you, I'm better than you. No, you ain't better than nobody. God loves you the same as he loves me. And serve, but we need to serve because we love. We need to abandon the ideas of self-service and realize that God isn't around to be our personal blessing dispenser, but because he wants us to love others. God isn't around to make you a millionaire. I wish. I know I, I need that. I'm sure people need that too. But that's not what he's here for. He's not here to make life easier or life better. To make all the bad things disappear so everything can be sunshine and roses. He is here so that people will know him in the midst of the darkness and the brokenness of this world. So he can step into our lives and tell us even though there is this going on. Even though you're in trouble. Even though you're broken. Even though you're hurting. I have made space for you here. Because that's exactly what Jesus did. When he was in the temple, he overturned. And I love this picture of Jesus because it's something we don't think about. He was overturning the, temp, the, the tables in the temple. And this wasn't the only time that he did that. He did it a couple of times. Because he needed people to understand that it's not just the temple. It's not just the, the, the fact that they were selling things. Because, I mean, we, we offer you guys things. We sell merch and we sell this. And people sell things. And sometimes we do fundraisers and stuff. That it's not about that. It's about the heart of it. Because he understood that the people that were there may have looked like they were doing the work of God. They may have looked holy on the outside, but in their hearts, they stood as an obstacle for people to meet Jesus. They stood in front of those who needed God and said, you cannot have him unless you do what I say. And so Jesus steps in to the picture and he turns over the table and he drives them out of the temple. And he says, now, now there's room. Now there's room. I've made room. Just like we do when we go out to eat and we need to make sure that everybody eats with us. So we grab as many tables as possible so that we can fit the area. So everybody can fit in. Or you grab as many chairs as possible and cram everybody into a table that should only fit like six people, but there's 20. Latinos, man. <laughs> do the same with our cars. Yeah, that, I, I remember getting picked up. Uh, sometimes by my uncles and all of us, all of our co- my cousins and everybody, we'd all get picked up at the same time in a little blue van. <laughs> sometimes my, my, my uncle friend would pick us up in his blue van. And we would sometimes not even have space to sit. And he'd tell us, if you see a cop, duck! <laughs> because we try to make space. Push people in. And Jesus does the same thing for us. He says, we have, I'm making space. I'm making room for all of those who need me. So will you do the same? Will you do the same? And I'm about to finish here. I'm about to close. 
And he asks us, how do we do that? How do we ultimately do that? We make space by doing those things. We stop being a gatekeeper. We stop picking fights. We, we look for opportunities to serve and show love to others. Yes, but we need to start first by examining our hearts. Because that's where the problem is. Because we can look good on the outside and still have a rotten heart on the inside. Jesus said of the religious leaders in his day, he called them whitewashed tombs. He says, you are whitewashed tombs. You look nice on the outside, pretty. People have arranged flowers. People have cleaned it up. They would paint the stones white to look, uh, to stand out from the background in the graveyard. This is... You look like a tomb that has been cleaned up on the outside, but on the inside, in Matthew 23, he tells them, you are filled with nothing but dead man's bones. Creating obstacles, putting weights on people, putting more things on them than they can even handle, than you can even handle. So we need to know, we need to remember and know that we cannot create obstacles. We need to examine our hearts. What is Jesus wanting us to do? What tables in our lives do we need to flip over? What tables in the church do we need to flip over so that we can make space for the people who need Him? Because ultimately, God has already made space for us. He's the one who first did it. When He came to this world, he lived a life that showed what it was like to make space for other people. And then when he got to the cross, he took sin, he took death, he took brokenness, the brokenness of this world. He took it down to hell with him and brought and left it there and said, this no more will create obstacles for people. Now I'm the way. I'm the one that makes space for you. And sometimes we forget that. Sometimes we've been Christians for so long that we don't realize what God has saved us from. We forget. And that some of the people that are looking from the outside in, looking for Jesus, are struggling with the same things that we were, the same things that God saved us from. And He wants to do the same for them, but we have the doors tightly shut. So we need to examine our hearts. We need to come to Jesus and say, I'm sorry. We need to acknowledge that we need to change. We need to acknowledge that there needs to be something that we need to do, that we need to let go of, that we need to repent of and say, Lord, what can I do today to make space for other people? Would you stand with me this afternoon? It's not about this space. It's not about this church. It's not about any church. The church is not the salvation of the world. Jesus is the salvation of the world. He is the one that makes a way. So today we need to come before him. And I know this is a serious, bit of a serious message, but it has been on my heart. It is something we need to remind ourselves so that we, moving forward, can be that space where people can be here in this place and say, you know what, that's where I made Jesus. That's where they made room for me so that I could be healed, so that I can be changed. Because we cannot do what Jesus can do.
We're not the ones who forgive sin. We're not the ones who heal. We're not the ones that change lives. It's Jesus. So we need to make space for others. We need to make space for Jesus to do what he wants to do in this place. Father God, we thank you for your word. And we come before you today asking and placing on the altar, on this space, in this place, taking all of the obstacles that we've set up for others, all of the things that we have done to push people out, all of the things that we have done to shut the door on other people, we bring them here to you and ask for forgiveness. We ask, Lord, that you would help us to change so that we might open this space so that we might open this place so that people might know you, Jesus. And show us, show us what we need to do. Show us what we need to do. Show us, Jesus. Show us in this place. We hope you've enjoyed this message. We'd love to hear your story about how you've been blessed by this ministry or how we can pray for you. To connect with us, you can email us at amen at myemmanuelchurch.com. And if you would like to support us financially, you can give online at myemmanuelchurch.com slash give. Also, if you're in the area, we'd love to see you in person for the full worship experience. Thanks again, and we hope you have a blessed week.